Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Matthew, and I will be doing the scripture reading for today, which comes from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33, the cost of discipleship. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able to, with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. The word of the Lord. Hello Cornerstone, good morning. Welcome again to our worship service. I am Pastor Paul, and I'll be sharing our message for today. So we are continuing through our series through the book of Luke, uh, through the Gospel of Luke. And at this point in uh, the Gospel of Luke, we are hitting uh, the middle of Jesus' ministry. And we are really in the thick of it here. Jesus is uh, doing his public ministry. He is ministering. He is, um, he is preaching. He is um, doing performing miracles, and Jesus is gaining a lot of popularity here, and we see that in verse twenty-five specifically. There are great crowds gathering around him, and Jesus responds to this great crowd in a very unusual way or a peculiar way. Um, whenever uh, a big crowd comes uh, in our church. Or for our uh, activities, we're happy. We are excited that a lot of people are here. And we would be glad that many people would want to hear about Jesus. But Jesus himself, in this passage, instead emphasizes that there are consequences to following him. And I don't mean consequences in a bad way. Consequences are not always negative, but... There are, there are consequences nonetheless, and being a follower of Jesus means that there are realities that impact your life. So that is where we are here, and so let's pray and ask the Lord to help us and to um, show us His truth here this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask for your word to speak to us in a powerful way as we Uh, read through this passage, and as we uh, hear your word more clearly, we pray that you would help me to convey these words and and convey your truth, that you would open up our hearts, Lord, by your Spirit, and that we would know more of you and more of your truth in the gospel of Jesus Christ here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, when I was in high school, um, we got these t-shirts at church, um, and it was a, a gimmicky Christian t-shirt, like uh, Jesus is My Homeboy was a popular one. If you don't know that shirt, look it up. It's, it's really quite funny. But um, these types of shirts were, were really popular back in you know, late 2000s, around that time. Uh, but this shirt that we got 
um, that I wanted to mention here today was a riff off of an old Staples, the, the office supply store commercial. And um, they had this whole gimmick about having these red easy buttons, right? And it was an advertising campaign by Staples uh, where the com- in the commercials, the employees would um, press a, a red easy button and, you know, whatever the customer asked, it would magically appear. So eventually this easy button thing really took a life of its own. They were even selling it at Staples as a button. Of course, it had no magical properties. Um, but this shirt uh, was a riff off of that. And instead of easy button, it was a Jesus button. So the full slogan would say, life's problems, one solution, it's just that easy. Now, the point of this shirt is to say, hey, Jesus is the answer to all of your problems. And, and that is very true. Jesus is the answer. He is. Uh, when we believe in him and trust in him, uh, our hope, our life, our joy, uh, everything is secure in Christ. And we have victory in him and we have eternal life as well. That is all true. He answers all our fears and worries and doubts. And of course, that doesn't mean that our fears and doubts and worries go away magically. Of course not. But again, in Christ, we are secure. We know that we have a, a better hope, a better future with him. But uh, this easy button, this Jesus button idea, it gives off this impression that if you choose Jesus, all your problems will just go away. Um, and and of course, there's truth in this shirt, and I wore this shirt proudly, but but thinking back on those days, um, it was misleading to, to say that um, pressing the Jesus button is, is easy and our, all our life's problems will go away. Of course, believing in Jesus is not hard. It's hard in the sense that we have to um, confess and repent of our sins, but believing in him and trusting in him in and of itself is not a hard act to do. Uh, nothing is really required of us. We, we're not, we can't earn our salvation. We can't uh, do anything to receive it. But Jesus reminds us that in this passage, ultimately being a follower of Christ is not an easy one. There is a cost. And he says in uh, verse 26 of our passage, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even in even his own life, he cannot be my disciples. As I mentioned before, Jesus is becoming popular and great crowds are gathering around him and and they are probably astonished by what he's been teaching and especially the miracles that he's been performing. But Jesus sees this crowd and he's basically turned off. By it. He, he doesn't really like it. And it's because many of them were following him for the wrong reasons. We have to remember that many believe that the Messiah would be someone who brought victory for the Jews in a worldly sense, right? That they would be a, a warrior king who would bring freedom to the Jews, better living, better food, better everything. But but most of it was in a materialistic sense, in a worldly way. But Jesus, as we know, came here for a greater purpose, not just for worldly satisfaction. He came to save us for 
an eternal sense where we would be restored and reconciled to God because by his sacrifice on the cross, we would be redeemed and we would be forgiven of our sins. So when Jesus becomes our eternal Savior and, and not the Savior we might have expected originally, the, the cost changes as well. We have to rethink what the cost is. And so when Jesus says you have to hate your, your father, your mother, your brother and sister, it's shocking. And I'm sure it, it shocked people to hear that from Jesus. Seeing the cost of following Christ is really, really important, especially for us here today, because we live in a day and age where evangelism and becoming a Christian has become what people call easy believism. And basically, it's this idea that if you believe in Christ, if you receive him, you, you, your, your problems are all over. Or that, oh, all you have to do is accept him and, and, and you're fine, you're good to go, you're, you're, you're eternally saved, and, and you don't have to worry about anything else. Uh, basically, you don't have to feel any more guilt, or, or, and, and you'll have no more depression, and you'll just have peace and happiness in your life. And unfortunately, there are, are preachers out there who preach uh, a false gospel where they say that health and wealth is an automatic inheritance that you, are, um, that you are supposed to have if your faith is good enough. But none of that is true. Let me make that clear. That is not true at all. That is not what the gospel of Jesus offers. That's not what being a follower of Christ is about. It's not about receiving these earthly blessings. We see in our passage, actually, that Jesus says that it is a challenge, that there will be trials and difficulties and, and, and certain obligations of being a Christian. And unfortunately, much of that is rooted in our sin. It is rooted in our lack of faith in Christ, wanting us to be our own God. And, and even though we want to do the things of God, oftentimes we are unable to because of our brokenness. And Paul says that in Romans 7, and he says this, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another a law waging, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Our falling condition of sin is what makes following Jesus a costly one. If, if we were perfect, we were, if we were able to perfectly follow the law, we, we would not need Jesus. We would not uh, need him to save us. We would be able to do what we were created to do, to glorify God and to enjoy him with all of our hearts. But, but sin and, and this evil still remains within our world, even after what Jesus has done for us, even after we believe in him as well. And so following Christ, being a follower of him, requires trial and even suffering. So Jesus' goal is to be honest. In, in, and Jesus is proclaiming that followers of Jesus count the cost of following Jesus. So every one of us who proclaim Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are to count the cost. 
it is something that is essential for us to do, to know what the cost is of following Jesus. We should be considering this even before we come to believe. And that's what Jesus says here in verses 28 to 30. Jesus says, For which of you desire to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Even before building anything, of great value, we need to plan, right? We need to consider the cost. If we were going to build our own homes, we would uh, make sure the plans were ready. We would know how much it costs. We would know what the materials are. We would know what the labor would cost. All of that is important to know beforehand. Or we have an unfinished home if we don't have enough money and we look foolish at the end of it. In verses 31 to 32, he has another example where, where, he talk, where Jesus talks about a king who knows he's outmanned. He knows he's going to lose in battle. So instead of sending his soldiers to die, he negotiates terms of peace instead. That is what a smart, good king does. So the, the cost has to be considered or it can lead to foolishness or disaster. So here in this passage, Jesus repeats uh, the phrase, he cannot be my disciple. And he does so three times. And, and so what, what he's doing is he's uh, showing us various ways where uh, we are to consider the cost. So let us go through them together. First, in verse 26, Jesus says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brother and sisters, yes, and even in his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And I, and I repeat this verse because Jesus is saying here something very, very, very drastic, right? It, well, it seems that way. But ultimately, what Jesus is saying is that a true disciple reorients their relationships. Let me, let me say that again. A true disciple reorients their relationships. Now, again, this can seem to be a very shocking passage. It seems very uncharacteristic of Jesus. But we've seen Jesus say in other parts of Scripture to, to love our neighbors, right? To honor our parents. That seems to be different from hating them. And so Jesus obviously doesn't seem uh, like he's saying we should actually hate our fathers and mothers and other family members. And we can look at Matthew 10 to, to help us get a better sense of what Jesus means. In Matthew 10, 37, he says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So based on, on what we see here in Matthew 10, we get a clearer picture of what Jesus is saying. We aren't actually to hate our parents, but instead he is employing a figure of speech. Right? According to commentators, when Jesus says hate, it's actually a Semitic figure of speech, essentially meaning to love less than. So Jesus, in fact, is saying that we are to put him, Christ, and God in front of and love more than our family. We are to love them less than Jesus. Now, make no mistake, that is still a shocking message because that is hard to do. Our, our families mean so much to us for Many of us, they might mean everything to us. Our families, our friends, our, our boyfriends and girlfriends, these are the closest people to us, and, and they, they, they mean everything. But Jesus says, 
Yes, ultimately you are called to put Christ first. So for our families, that means we are called to put Christ first above everything else. When we raise our kids, we teach them the same, to put Christ above everything else. Of course, that doesn't mean we are to ignore our families or we ignore our children and we just focus on Jesus 24-7. Of course, that, that's not what it means. We are called to take care of our families and to love them and to be good husbands and wives and children. Right? That is what we are also called to do. Um, but I know that many pastors struggle with balancing family and ministry. Right? And ministry seems to be like putting Christ above family. Uh, but for many pastors, ministry uh, is put first, but it is, comes to a de- with a detriment to the family at times. They spend very little time with their kids. They uh, hardly have time to see them grow up and, and to even have meals with them. And over time, that really can have an impact on families. And I know uh, many friends who are pastors' kids who have ended up uh, having bad relations with their uh, parents because of their upbringing, because their fathers were, were very absent in their lives. Of course, it's not the case for every pastor, uh, but this is the case for, for many. And so it requires a balance in knowing that our commitment to Christ includes serving and loving the church, but that it also flows into our family and taking care of our family. And that is a crucial part of it as well. However, we actually sometimes use family as an excuse to make following Christ a secondary part of our lives. For example, I've known some Christians who are unable to marry good, godly men and women just because their parents disapproved of them. They are unable to take that step. Excuse me. It might have been because of their background. It might have been because of their education or occupation. Unfortunately, even the color of their skin. And there are those who have done the opposite as well, who went against their parents' wishes and married someone who was godly and someone they loved deeply even though their parents disapproved. Following Christ can cause rifts in our families and it can take many years to reconcile. But ultimately we are called to put Christ first. One big trend that we've also seen is the shift uh, these past 15 years or so to see activities uh, on Sunday for our children. (coughs) Excuse me again. A Forbes article written a while ago addressed the issue regarding sports on Sundays and how that has drawn people away from attending the Sunday worship gathering regularly. So the author of this article wrote this, but churches of all kinds are realizing they're losing the Sunday competition to sports, youth sports in particular. And it's a fight they also realize they can't win. Unfortunately, this is something that is very true even now. This trend of moving a lot of these activities to Sundays has really impacted our families and and it impacts Sunday worship attendance, not just in our church, but in churches all over our country. Um, And now I'm not here to judge whether or not uh, you should send your child to an activity on Sundays or not. 
But we have to acknowledge this is becoming a problem because the more we remove our families from the body of Christ and our Sunday gatherings, the more Christ can become secondary or tertiary part of our lives. It's, it's just natural. If we remove ourselves from the body of Christ, we will naturally make Christ uh, a secondary, third, uh, a th- tertiary part of our lives. The, the, more that, the more family will take precedence above Christ. Of course, the Sunday gathering is not everything, but we obviously still believe it is a crucial part of our uh, following of Christ, to gather together, to keep the Sabbath holy, to rest and remember the truths of the gospel. So in whatever we decide to do, let us remember that a true disciple reorients our relationships, where we put Christ first above all else. And that may mean we point our family members to the truth of Christ. It may mean we even cutting off certain friends who have been leading us away from the gospel. It may even mean making a decision that will cause harm in our families where people will be upset about us being a follower of Jesus or putting Christ first. That is the cost of discipleship. And that is what it means to put Christ above all else. So that leads me to the, to the next point. The last two ways Jesus tells us to consider the cost is by bearing our own cross and giving up our possessions. So this can be summed up in this. A true disciple makes sacrifices. As we know, the cross in those times was the most cruel way to die, to be executed. When people saw someone carrying a cross, they knew that it would lead to death. And so in a sense, it's about dying to ourselves, dying to our own desires, and taking up the cross, which is the will of God, God's will. And and we do that no matter what the cost might be. Verse 33 says, Any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus asks, for everything, to give up our possessions, our resources, our talents, our careers, our plans, and lay it before him. Uh, as an example, our children's ministry has been going through a series called Torchlighters, and, and, and this is for their online junior worship class. And in this series, they learn about the, the torchlighters of our faith, people bearing the light of Christ, being missionaries, um, being our faith heroes. And this goes back to even those in the early church. And one of those faith heroes is Jim Elliott. He was a missionary who was most famous for going to Ecuador to reach the Huarani people who were an indigenous group there. And when he first went, things started off going well. He and a group of four other missionaries were able to make contact with the group. And they did so by uh, dropping down gifts and trying to communicate via a loudspeaker on a plane. They would fly overhead. And after doing this for months, they set up a camp nearby. And they were actually even able to interact with a small group of Horani people. And they even gave one of them a ride on the airplane because they were so fascinated about what this was. And and as but as they continued to make uh, these plans to visit the Huarani people and to minister to them and share the gospel, 
they were attacked by 10 Huarani soldiers and they killed Elliot and his other companions, other missionaries. And this happened on January 8th, 1956. From all accounts, Jim Elliot uh, could have chosen to do so many things with his life. He was uh, gifted in many things. He was involved in various activities in high school and was considered a very good public speaker. Uh, him, his family and friends even uh, tried to, per to persuade him to stay in the United States to become a youth minister. But he felt this calling to reach the unreached. And so he made that sacrifice to not only go over there, but to unfortunately die as a result. So after seeing all this, the question for us is, is, is it worth it? Right? Is this worth it? Is following Christ worth it? Well, unequivocally, the answer is yes. It is truly worth it. Paul says in Romans 8.18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Following Christ is truly worth it. Giving our full selves to him is worth it. Jesus' call is for us to be all in. Because even though it may be hard, there is a great glory that is to be revealed to us, as Paul says. We live for eternity, and the present now is, is a small sliver, a speck, compared to the eternity we, are, we, we, we get to live in uh, when our souls pass over into glory. So now going all in is what we're called to do, because if we don't go all in to live for Christ, if we don't put our full selves before Him and dedicate our lives to Him, then our lives become worthless. Now, that's not me, that's not me saying it. I, I'm not the one saying this. Jesus says this here, and he says this actually right after the passage for today. Now, we didn't read this, but it's worth mentioning that in verses 34 and 35, to close our chapter, Jesus talks about how salt without taste is worthless. It's useless. So for Christians who are to be salt of the earth, if we do not follow Christ wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, then that person is worthless. If a professing believer of Jesus doesn't read the Bible, doesn't pray, doesn't share his faith, doesn't put God first, doesn't make sacrifices, and tries to hold on to all their possessions, that person is worthless. A person without fruit is worthless and truthfully may not even be a Christian. If a follower of Christ does not live out his calling as a follower, then obviously he's worthless. It's like saying, you know, let's say that there was someone who worked at Walmart or anywhere really and, and he didn't do what he was supposed to do and just sat around and just like, grabbed chips from the, from the grocery aisle and, and just relaxed on the display sofas and was just, you know, not doing anything. That person is worthless. He's not doing what he was hired to do. In the same way, if a follower of Christ does not live as a follower of Christ, if, the, if, if they do not live as Christ calls us to live here, then he or she is worthless. 
Now, that isn't to say that every committed Christian or disciple needs to be a, a missionary or a pastor or anything like that. No, that's not what it means to be a follower. We're all called to different things, and we're all called to be followers of Christ wherever God has placed us. And actually, I would say that it probably is possible for those who follow God from a distance who do not really engage with, uh, with the church or uh, with their faith. They, they can be Christians. But that is the wrong mindset. We should not be thinking, oh, how can I be a Christian uh, by being half-hearted or lukewarm or doing the least amount? That should not be our mindset. If that is what you think Christianity is about, then that is completely wrong. Being a Christian is about giving your life to Christ. And when we say that, we mean it. It means to give all of yourself to Him. The Holy Spirit, when He works in us, He makes us see that everything belongs to Him. When we see the gospel for what it is, it leads us to think there is no reason for even considering to being a lukewarm follower. No, I need to give everything, my all, into being a follower of Christ. And the truth is, there is joy and blessing that is given to us as followers of Christ. Bearing our cross, loving our families less, renouncing our possessions are not all necessarily negative. They're not negative consequences because you know, of our sinful hearts, it seems that way. We may think that they are, but when we see the truth clearly, we know that Jesus offers us peace, love, joy, happiness, so much more than anything in this world offers us. It is truly, truly worth it. And so I pray and hope that we would all experience this joy and blessing here today, that we would be followers of Christ who understand the cost, to view it realistically, to examine ourselves, to see whether or not we really understand the cost and know the cost and are willing to, to sacrifice, to give our all to Him. Jesus challenges his disciples to do so here. And yes, it is costly, but it is worth it. Jesus offers us so much more in this world than, than this world can offer. And may the, the truth of Christ help us to see that. May the Spirit work in our hearts here today. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to see your word. We pray that we can see the cost of being a follower of Christ. And more than just seeing the cost, may we realize that it is truly worth the cost. Lord, help us to see your truth and that following you is so much better than anything else in this world, that you offer us not only eternal salvation, but you offer us joy and blessing in this life here and now. Lord, I know that our sinfulness and the evil in this world um, blocks blocks our minds and, and leads us into temptation and, and, and helps us, does not help us in following you, Lord. And so, God, we pray for your spirit to work in us, to overcome our fallen nature, and to be able to follow you with everything in our lives. And, Lord, we know that we will fail. We will fall short in many ways. But, Lord, 
we know that you also promise to redeem us and help us over and over and over again. And so, God, we lift up our church to you, that we will be filled with disciples who know the cost, who follow you wholeheartedly. Then we can be useful in our lives, that we can share the gospel, that we can live out our, the calling that you have given us to know you and to make you know. The so Lord, work in Cornerstone here and now and as we continue to move forward as well. May you be glorified in our church, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again, Cornerstone, and may the word continue to encourage you and bless you. See you next time.